A good month to everyone. It's a pleasure to have you in our shul. So as you all know, and as we all feel, there's a big difference between knowing and feeling. We are in the midst of a terrible war. And it's profoundly sad. Every day, <coughs> soldiers are dying. Every day brings new almanis, new yesayimim, and new grieving families. Fathers and mothers burying children, and it's not the way it should be. Kodesh Baruch planned the world that children should bury their elderly parents, la'achamea ve'eslim. This is the price we pay for Eretz Yisrael. And this is a Malchemist Mitzvah which was imposed on us. And it all started Simchas Torah. Simchas Torah usually is the happiest day of the year. By a logic perspective, the Rambam at the end of Hilchas writes that the greatest Simcha is B'yameachag. Hagasukois. But in practicality, I think the happiest day of the year for almost each and every Jew that's Shoimatayra is Simchastayra. It is the day we all dance with the Sefer Torah. And every year in my shul, I say, when you dance with the Sefer Torah, you're actually dancing with the Kodesh Baruch. You can't hug a Kodesh Bochu, you can't kiss a Kodesh Bochu because ain't no goof, malo yasiguhu, masigei goof. The closest you could come to a Kodesh Bochu is a Sefer Torah. And when we dance with the Sefer Torah, we're dancing with the Kodesh Bochu. And that day, nefach la'evel kinoreinu, and that day, happened to be such a sad day. So I say Simchas Torah will always be remembered as a happy day. But the 7th of October will always live in infamy as one of the most profoundly sad days, and maybe the saddest since the establishment of modern Israel. Because the sights that we saw in Simchas Torah were a nightmare. Who would believe that a thousand Jews would be just butchered and murdered in Eretz Yisroel on such a wonderful day. Sites that we haven't seen since the Holocaust. And this is part of our miracle. Every tragedy brings some miraculous chizuk and rebirth. Let us just hope that we will see because of Yeshua's and Chama's. So since my late father passed away seven years ago, many times I told a story, which to me is an inspiration. So I think the only person here besides me that knew my father is Rebelli Weber, who was an outstanding person, a big Ilui, tremendous Talmud Chochem, I was born on the east side. We were neighbors of Ramesha Feinstein. And Ramesha tried to convince my father to go into Rabbanus. It was unsuccessful because my father was somewhat stubborn. 
and he was very strong-minded. And Moshe once told him there's a little town up in the mountains in the Catskills called Liberty. In winter, falta grosse schnei. I'm looking at your faces. Probably no one understood what he just said. Winter, there's a heavy snow, and you can't leave your house. So Moshe Feinstein told my father, whose name was also Moshe, Moshe, one winter you're going to be a god, will be a slug. didn't occur to him, if you can't leave your house, what are you going to do all day and all night? If you're not learning Gemara, what else could you do? But my father was a businessman, he never went into the bonus. So, I'm a Talmud of the great Kleisen Bagarevi, and I assume most of you heard about the Kleisen Bagarevi, the Divra Yatsev also known as the Tzanza Rebbe, who was a giant of our time. And my father met him first time, second day Shavuos, 1944 in Auschwitz-Birkenau. My father and his family arrived the first day Shavuos. That very same day, my father lost his parents, his grandparents, and five out of eight siblings. <coughs> Kleisen Bagarebi arrived one day later and he lost his wife and all of his 11 children and he was left alone in the world. Second issue was one day after my father arrived, he heard that the Kleisen Bagarebi is in one barracks next to where he was staying. And he sneaked out in the middle of the night, which was putting your life in immediate jeopardy because the Nazis in the watchtowers, if they saw a Jew just roaming roaming the premises in the middle of the night, they would shoot to kill. My father in the middle of the night sneaked out, went into the next building, and in the morning he approached the Kloisa Magarebi and he said how much it would mean to him to get to, the, get, to, get to know the Rebbe, maybe to <coughs> be together. And Rebbe frowned down on my father and he said, Bukhar, young boy, the mindset that Rebbe Selfen said the Gunish Helfen. If you think it's going to do you any good, it's not going to do you any good to be close to me. My father responded, of course it'll do me good. We could talk and learning. And the Rebbe was surprised and he said, Bocher, young boy, you're in Auschwitz and you want to talk and learning. And my father said, of course I do, because if we don't, how will we prevail? How will we make it? The Rebbe was moved. He gave him a big hug. And they talked the learning for the next 15 months. And they talked the learning for the next 45 years. And whenever I tell this story, I say, what my father intuitively felt in his heart is what Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakei felt 2,000 years ago in the days of the Chorban, when he finally gets out of the Chomot, Chomot Yerushalayim, and he gets to meet the Roman commander, Aspasianus. And Aspasianus, remarkably, develops a liking to that Jewish scholar. And he says, make a wish, and it'll be granted. I'm sure you all remember, what was the first wish of Rabbi Yochanan Mezakeh? What did he ask for? Give me the school. Give me the koilo. 
who was granted. And some of Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai's peers were very unhappy with his Bakosha. Why didn't you ask for the base of Mignosh? Obviously, he knew Baruch HaKodesh that the base of Mignosh is doomed, and it will not be. And the only guarantee for our future is Yavna Bakachameh. Nothing else could ensure the continuity and the future of the Jewish people. 200 years earlier, there was another Jewish giant that understood the same. And that was Matisyahu. So the Greeks decreed, we're not aware that they had a plan of a final solution to murder the Jewish people. But the decree was And Matisyo and his family decide We're going to war And at the time It is the only time When we were in such a deep crisis And there was division amongst the Jewish people In the days of Haman and Achishverosh The handwriting was on the wall Everything was clear. They decided to annihilate the Jewish people. We had no doubts. In Golas Mitzrayim, Chumash Shemais that we started reading today, it was obvious who were the good guys who were the bad guys. In the days of Matasio, it wasn't obvious at all. Some historians argue that the majority of Jews were Hellenists, were Misyavnim. And Matisyahu decides to go to war. And he was challenged. You're going to fight the mightiest empire, the biggest army in the world. What have you got? Who has more tanks? Who has more planes? Who has more missiles? Well, they didn't really have tanks and missiles, but... Matisyahu decided with meager forces to fight the greatest army in the world. Was that reckless? Was that irresponsible? Matisio says, but without Taylor, we won't survive. And this is a decree that will bring about our demise. So you all remember the story of the fox and the fish, Rabbi Kiva's famous Moshul, Brochus Samach Beis. So in times of Gzeira, and his friend Papos meets him and he says, Akiva, aren't you afraid? And Akiva says, of course I'm afraid. But I'll give you a mushroom. The fox is taking a walk on the river bank. And he sees the fish seem to be agitated and nervous and they're swimming frantically about. Fox turns to fish and he says, what's wrong? And the fish says, don't you see there are fishermen out there and they put nets in the water to try to catch us? Fox says to fish, why don't you come here? There are no nets up here, so come up and let's be together like our forefathers were. And the fish respond to the fox, 
אדוהו שאומר המלך הוא פיקח שבחי עשתו. לא פיקח אתה, אלא טיפש אתה. Are you the one that is considered to be such a wise animal? You're not smart, you're a fool. ומה במוקם חיוסינו עונה מסיירים? אם נפרוש ממנה הלחץ כמה וכמה, so the fish say we are afraid, we are in great danger. But we cannot live on land, we are water animals. And if we go on land, we die. So the Bikiva says, I am afraid. We are in great danger. But if we will stop learning Torah, we die. You are like a fish on land. That is what Matasio understood, that is what Rabbi Yochanan and Zakeh understood, and that is what my father, as a 17-year-old young Yeshiva Bochar understood when he told the Kloysen Bagar Rebbe, if we don't talk and learning, how will we make it? So I'm sure all of you remember the story of the facts and the fish, but no one ever thinks about what is the facts talking about when he says, When exactly was that? When did the forefathers of the facts and the forefathers of the fish live together on land? Did that ever happen? Never. Nowhere. So we don't believe in evolution. We don't believe in Darwinism. But even according to Charles Darwin, they never were together on land. Maybe they were together in sea. Not on land. It's not part of our title anyway. So what is the facts talking about when he says, If I would be a fish in that pond, and I have no recollection of being one, I would say, Mr. Fox, אתו הוא שאומר המלך הוא פיקח שבחי עשה אתה לא פיקח אתה אלי טיפש אתה אבל אתה לא רק טיפש אתה גם שקרן. I would say you think you're smart you're a fool and you're not only a fool you're a liar as well because our forefathers and your forefathers never lived together. So what's the story? I think that's part of the muscle. That's an integral part of Rebbe Kiva's muscle. So this is an argument we hear in every generation. Different variations, different versions, different formulas. But we always hear this argument, why do you need to be different than everyone else? Why can't you just be normal? Why can't we just be together? And why do you think you're different? And why do you learn all your lives? So many times when I meet You know, modern Jewish families, wonderful people in America that have their kids learning in yeshiva and the, fa- and the parents ask me, so when will my boy finish his studies? When he's going to get a job? Well, when will he finish his studies? And I say, when he'll finish his studies? Well, we all hope. And we all wish to live till 120 and probably that is when he's going to finish his studies. Because, 
So we are the people of the book. I don't know where this expression comes from, and I have a feeling it's not a Jewish source, but it's true. Am HaSefer, Am HaTorah, to us learning is not only a means to an end, it's not to achieve a job and to develop a good profession. If we don't talk in learning, how will we make it? It is our life. It is what Rabbi Kiva says in his Moshul, the fish say to the fox, don't try to teach us how to live. You stay up there, you're a land animal. We're water animals. So don't try to teach us how to live. In kol ha-kavod, ta t'sher sham l'mala, t'anich l'anu, t'sher kan. We were born in Har Sinai, and the very first sight we saw when we opened our eyes was Moshe Rabbeinu v'shneinu chot abrit. That is how we were born. So we live with Torah. And the only guarantee for our eternity, and we are the people of eternity, is Torah. As we say every day in the morning, by Berchus Kriya Shema, Ki heim chayenu v'oyrech yomenu. The lesson of the Posek is And that is what my father felt when he first met the Kloysa Magarebi in Auschwitz. So looking back 100, 200, 300 years, when a Yemenite Jew would meet a Jew from Amsterdam, a chosid from Warsaw would meet a yekker from Berlin. What could they do together? What did they share? They didn't understand the language of each other. Didn't speak the same language. Different cultures. Sometimes even a different complexion. The sitter of one would be totally unfamiliar to the other. They wouldn't eat together because the Yemenite Jew ate schug and the Polish Jew ate gefilte fish. I don't know whether it's good together. Never cried. And if the Chosid from Warsaw and the Jew from Berlin would eat together and there would be a bowl of arbis on the table, you know what arbis is? Yeah? Chickpeas? And the chassid would stretch his hand into the bowl, into his mouth, back into the bowl. The yekka would run out of the room. <laughs> so, what endeavor could they possibly share? Talk and learning. And it is what they did. So the Mishnah was composed in Eretz Yisrael. The Shas in Bavel. Rashi. France, most of Balia Toysvis, then Amban and his great Talmidim, Barcelona, Sfarad, Spain, Shilchanoch was composed, started off in Spain, the Beis Yosef, finished in Svat in Eretz HaKodesh, then comes along the Ramon Krakow in Poland, Spanning continents, thousands of miles, cultures and languages, they learn together. 
That is the only endeavor that they shared. That is what we've been doing in the past 2,000 years, and it is what we intend to do. And as long as we still have to wait, Ad Biyasamashiach. So, Baruch Hashem, we have come back to Eretz Avutenu, to our beloved, holy, cherished, promised land, and Baruch Hashem, we have the schus, which previous generations can only dream of, to learn Torah and serve the Kaddish Baruch Hu in Eretz Yisrael. And we thank you, Kaddish Baruch Hu, for that. So these days are difficult days in which we're waging war. Days that started with a mega tragedy on Simchas Torah. And the Rambam teaches us in the very beginning of Hilchas Taniyos, when tragedy strikes, we shall not say it happened. For Jews, things don't merely happen. We believe in Ashkocha protest, and when tragedy strikes, Kodesh Baruch is calling out to us. And his call is expecting each and every one of us to be better. Kodesh Baruch is calling out to us when tragedy strikes, he is somewhat unhappy. <coughs> and everyone needs to do his own cheshbon nefesh and try to be better. There's a personal cheshbon nefesh which each individual needs to make. And no one knows what's in another's heart. Only the person knows his own heart. And everybody knows his own shortcomings, where and how he could be better. And that's the personal cheshbon and nefesh that each and every one is called on, called for. But there are also things that we can do as communities in times of war, in times of tragedy. Number one, achdus, just being together. And to me, it is such an inspiration. Thousands of people, American Jews, have been coming to Israel in the past three months, thousands. And almost every other day, there are delegations and missions coming to see me. And people travel down south, they go to hospitals to visit the injured. They go to shiva houses to visit the bereaved. They go to visit thousands of families that were uprooted and evacuated and just sitting in hotels. And when I meet these people, I say to them, are you aware that you are insane? And they all look at me surprised. Why would the Rav say we're insane? And I say, because sane people stay away from a war zone. There's been a war raging in the Ukraine for more than a year and a half. And I'm not aware that hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians from the entire world have been traveling to the Ukraine, to Lviv and Kiev and Mariupol and Odessa. And everybody stays away. 100,000 Ukrainians left the country. So what are you doing here? And I say we are remarkably, magnificently, beautifully insane. And that is because 
At least in times of war, we are all brothers. And when your brother <coughs> is bleeding, you want to be with him. Don't send a letter from the farm. When your brother is in pain, you want to be with him. So Jews are coming from the entire world, traveling down north. You might get a rocket on your head. You hope it won't happen, but it could happen, or up in the north. But this is where they all want to be, just to see, to feel, and you can't really understand what it is until you see people. So, yes, we are unique. And this is a testament. We are the chosen people because we're different than all the others. And every Jewish heart beats to the same rhythm in the past few months. And that gives a lot of chizik. Last week I visited injured soldiers. Heartbreaking and uplifting. It's hard to see soldiers without legs. It breaks your heart. But to see the ruach and the spirit of the soldiers and their families is an amazing experience. Some of them were Haredi, some Dati, some Chiloni, but they were all the same. And the Amuna and the Achtos was just amazing. And I said a Perik with each and every one of them. And they were so moved. And I felt no Mechitzot, no boundaries. <coughs> So, this is a profoundly sad time, but also a time of chizuk. And Achtus is a key. When we stand together, nobody can overcome the Jewish people. Number two, tefillah. Tefillah is the key to everything. Whatever we need, whether it's on the individual basis and as a people, Kaddish Baruch was waiting for our tefillahs. And that is what we've done forever. Bishas Zorah. Taira. Probably I've said this a hundred times in recent months. Everybody is familiar with the Esocha Zabulun concept, especially B'nai Toir. Smach Zabulun B'nai Secho B'yesocha B'yewalecho. Chazal says Zabulun does business, he supports Yesocha, Yesocha learns Taira, and they live happily ever after. They share the merit of Talmud Taira. And that very same Pasuk, the Netziv, Hamik Dover writes, I'm amazed that Siv 
one of the most important commentators in recent generations, wasn't aware he didn't notice the unculus on the spot. Stagam unculus. And you probably know that Unculus is the most important commentator on Titus Moshe. Rashi quotes him extensively. And the Unculus on the spot writes, Chadi zavolen b'mafkei la'aguchei krovo al balei davoveich. Zavolen is happy to go fight the enemy when Yisrochah b'yoyonachon. There is also a zoyar on Pashas ba'aloyscha. Very same idea. So sitting and learning in yeshiva, we bear a special responsibility. Each and every Jew needs to be part of this effort. And those of us, those of you that are sitting in yeshiva, need to feel a responsibility. You need to learn more, you need to learn better. You need to daven more, you need to daven better. You need to do chesed. And chesed is not only about money. Chesed is about Many opportunities to do chesed in yeshiva <coughs> helping out one another, learning one another. And that is our obligation. So in these difficult times, let us dive into HaKadosh Baruch where this war should be over very soon. We should achieve all our goals. V'natati shalom ba'aretz u'shchavtem v'ein machrid. So as we start learning Chumash Shemais, which the Ramban defines as Sefer HaGolus v'HaGo'ulo. And the Mekobolim, 500 years ago, taught us that when we read the parashiyas of Golas and Geula, these are special times, days and weeks, that are mesugal l'tikud ha-maasim, l'tshuva, shuvu bonim shoivavim, shoivavim is six letters, roshitei v'ishmois v'eru bo v'shalach yitro mishpatim. So these are days in which your tefillas and your Torah can have a special effect. In days of yore, Chasidim v'anshei ma'aseh, as we find in the Ari, the Shla, hayu marbim b'tzomot v'sigufim, till the Talmid of Hashem Tov came along, and they said, in later generations, it's no longer about fasting, it's no longer about inflicting pain on yourselves, just learn Torah, just learn Learn more, daven better. And that is my call to all of you. So I'm happy to host you in my Medish tonight. And my brocha to all of you. None of us knows where life is going to take him. And I'm looking at all these beautiful young faces. And ba'enei ruchi. I see future. Maybe some of you will be successful lawyers. Maybe some of you will be successful doctors. I hope some of you will be successful businessmen. Support your families, your communities, the yeshivas. But I really hope that some of you will choose to dedicate your lives to teach Torah. Because that is the greatest endeavor one could 
dedicate his life to. I once said, a wise man once said, and usually when I use that phrase, I mean myself. A wise man once said, who was a lucky person? A person getting paid for what he would do anyway. I'm getting paid for what I would do anyway. And if I would win the New York lottery a hundred million dollars, I think what would change in my life? Would I stop giving shiurim? No. And I tell you in advance, if I would win a hundred million dollars, I'll still be happy to host you in my bismillah. Would I stop writing chuvis? No. Would I stop printing minchasosha? No. The only thing that would change in my life, I would like to buy an apartment in Yerushalayim for each of my yeniklech, but a hundred million dollars wouldn't be enough to do that. <laughs> so, so what would change in my life? Practically nothing. Isn't that a lucky person? person getting paid for things he would love to do anyway. I know very few people that are excited on the job every day. I know some tour guides, in Arbus we have some tour guides, and they say, you know, when I take around tourists, they open up huge eyes and they're so excited by what they see, but to me there's nothing new here. I would very much prefer to stay at home. I see the same things every day, I say the same things every day. And let me tell you, when I learned a sugya, I've learned it a hundred times in the past. It's never the same. And whenever I see that same sugya again, I see new light. I see new angles. It's never the same. And I'm always excited. So if you're you're looking for an endeavor, if you're looking for a job that will make you excited every day, you should choose Harbatsa Stoira. You're not going to make the most money. not going to become very rich, but that is a life of meaning and fulfillment and simcha. So I hope some of you will choose to dedicate your lives to teach Torah. But my brocha to all of you, HaKadosh Bocha should be with you. And when you leave Yeshiva, take part of the Yeshiva with you. And all your lives you should feel we are B'nai Torah. We are Yeshiva Bocha. And that should make you proud. So when time comes and you leave yeshiva, take the yeshiva with you. Let us all hope and pray and daven to HaKadosh Baruch that this war should be over and we should once again be able to learn Torah in Eretz Yisrael B'Shalva, B'Simcha, B'Nachas. Adib Diaz Goyal Tzedek B'Mheiro V'Yomeinu Amen. Amen.